1: Hey everybody, Dennis and Julie, it seems silly to say I'm Dennis and she's Julie, however in the time in which we in live, world, it may to. not be that silly. Dennis Prager, Julie Hartman, we're together every week. Did we ever miss a week?
2: I don't think so. Since we began. In my college dorm room. Or which out is out of my really
1: something given how much I travel. We really are intent about not missing one. We're
2: very disciplined about it.
1: Very in really fact, for our own sake, as much
2: as the listeners, because we love it so much.
1: That's true. <laughs> Sorry,
2: I interrupted you.
1: No, I love that, actually. You're right. I, for those of you listening and not watching, this will be a loss, so it might entice you to watch. You could see us on YouTube. Here, Julie, I want you to see this. This is something you would think would come from a, a satirical uh, website.
2: Is it the New York Times?
1: It's the but this is for real. Here, here it is, folks. Uh, can you zoom in, guys? There, there is this. Uh, can read the headline. Is that Mondrian?
2: Is that Mondrian upside down? Right. So, and does it matter? This is the subtext. A curator concludes that a work was hung the wrong way around. Oh, is this the front page of the New York Times? Front page of the art section. Oh, oh, at least if it's in the yeah. art No, no, section, no, but, but still, it, it shows it's you... Absurd.
1: It absurd. That's right. It shows you the, the, the farce of contemporary art. They just realized that the, the the painting was upside down.
2: I can't tell you how many people... <laughs> At both my high school and college, you know, because I would take art history classes or art courses and we'd take field trips to museums. People would stand in front of these modern art paintings and look at them and contemplate them like they were the most profound, right, astounding right. pieces of work. And I'm these these—I'm the one standing there like, is this really that good? I'm sorry to say it. Some of them are very, quite good. But the Mondrian M- that the New York Times profiled good. is... Contemporary
1: art is mostly junk. Contemporary architecture, contemporary sculpture, contemporary music. I'm sorry to say, I wish it weren't true. Anyway, I just thought I'd share with that. I, I have actually a number of things on my mind.
2: Well, wait, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but before we get to that, I, yeah. this, is, this is just as a woman. Yeah. This is bothering me. Dennis has two rubber bands on his desk, his side of the desk, I should say. Why do we need two rubber bands on so the side of Dennis here and Here is Julie? the
1: interesting thing. You are right about as a woman. I know you were so
2: it's totally a woman thing. Men don't care.
1: Alison Armstrong. Have you heard her with me? Alison Armstrong. She's a
2: doctor, right?
1: No, but no, no. Well, she's, she, she deals in in men, women issues, but she's not a doctor. Okay. So I've had her on for decades, once, uh, four times a year now on, on the male, female hour. So she once said something to this effect. When I enter my bedroom and it and the bed is a mess. My pillows are screaming at me, mm-hmm. fix me. And I thought, have I entered the twilight zone, or is this simply a woman's mind at work? So when you just said now, I couldn't move on. Yes, I had that's to move right. Them over. Yes, this is why you know you've heard me say this, and, and I assume many listeners have that uh, if we swap brains, men and women. Oh, men this would, is a great line. Men would commit suicide and women would go, that's it?
2: Well, my retort to you is, what a, what a great vacation. Vacation. If I that could was, was a live great line. A, man's it was mind. a vacation. That's it. Oh, my gosh. It is. I wouldn't think about Entering
1: a man's mind would be for you a vacation.
2: I was doing my hair and makeup this morning, and <laughs> I, I don't even care about it to the extent that most other girls do, but I was like, can you imagine just rolling out of bed and showing up to an on air job and not having to worry?
1: Well, most men who are responsible, if they have their hair, they'll, they'll shampoo or they'll, they'll take care of it. But yeah, there is no comparison. I fully acknowledge it. I am married to But I
2: just want to say before we move on, and I'm sorry to shade you, Dennis, but I think the viewers will get a kick out of it. His desk at home is a nightmare it is so interesting to me i'm so fascinated by people's living habits because i think it reveals something about them
1: and what does it reveal about me?
2: well i don't I, as i was saying that i was thinking i'm gonna have to say what it reveals yeah, about dennis yeah, and i'm not sure right. well uh-huh. well dennis is so organized and has such clarity right in every other aspect That's of his right. life yes and so there's this is what i think it reveals yeah. Even for someone as organized and clear as you, one thing has got to give. And yes, for you it's the desk. That's fair. And the desk you guys, we it's like an excavation site it trying is. to find
1: yes, We My wife calls it an archaeological dig. It is. That is true. By the way, I prefer when it's clean but and, and orderly. I do prefer it but it doesn't happen.
2: And I just want to reiterate to the listeners when I say that it's a dirty desk or It's a, not
1: dirty. Okay, no, that's no, no. true. That's important.
2: It's a uh, it's messy. messy. I don't just mean like there are a few papers. I mean there are mountains, yes, and that's ma- you cannot see the the wood on the desk.
1: That's correct. And when you see the wood, you realize it should cover it up again.
2: Oh my God! It's well, we scratched. we spent a week last summer organizing, we and, did. and then it went back in a week. Anyway, on to more substantial things. Now that the rubber I bands are away, I did tell you away. the
1: story right about the cops who showed up at my apartment when I. When... Oh, New you York. did, but
2: you have to tell the listeners. It's hilarious. I haven't said it on. on I don't on think one you. Ha- oh, maybe you have, but I think I, you might as well all tell right, very it quickly. quickly.
1: So, my last apartment, I was in my mid twenties. This is the last time I lived in New York City. I lived in Queens, and my car had been burgled, a uh, rock thrown through the rear window, and they stole the car stereo. So I, I reported it. To my amazement, cops showed up. And the cops knock on the door, police department. I open up, they look at my apartment, (laughs) stare at it, and then go, Holy expletive. Holy expletive. Did they do a job?
2: Oh my goodness. I know. I love that. I love that line. It is
1: one of the great stories of my life. So I can't wait to write my autobiography. I got a million of those. So I spent the next ten minutes, sheepishly explaining to the police, my my apartment was not robbed, my car was.
2: <laughs> How do you find things? And again, you're so you're I do. on top I do of the news. Things. How do yes. you?
1: I don't know. I, I, you lift a lot of things and you find it. Oh my gosh! So here, here is a one of my uh, topics in my brain. I let's see. I you provoked it in something you had said, and then it was provoked again just this week, and then I did it as my male-female hour. So the subject I did was, what, if you're a woman, what immediately turns you off about a man? Immediately. In other words, I mean, if you know someone for five years, obviously... You can answer it in a different way. But what what immediately would turn you off? And what made me think of it was you're showing me pictures of guys on single sites, which I want to talk to you about. And I quoted you. I, I cited you on the show. And then the other thing was, uh, driving into work this week, mm-hmm. I saw a guy cross the street in front of my car. Uh, I was at, obviously at a red light. And... The guy. There was no. Not only was he not walking with anyone, there was no one visible. And it's outdoors, and he's wearing a mask. And my immediate thought was, if I were a woman, that that guy would be ruled out a priori.
2: Yep. Agreed. It, he would be ruled out for me, certainly.
1: Right. So is your thinking my thinking? It is like the antithesis. Of a strong or masculine oh, man. absolutely. Or even rational man. Yes. Okay.
2: That's ex- No, exactly. My, my turnoffs are masks. My turnoffs with men are if they're wearing any kind of political shirt. I talk a lot about the computer stickers, but that's overwhelmingly a female phenomenon, at least on at my college. Men didn't really do that. But there were some men, small minority of men who would wear political things. And I just, if you're in that camp, there's no way that I'm going to date
1: you. So I'd like to know, aside from the mask, mm-hmm. look, my immediate assumption is, I, and, and I know that some people watching or listening wear masks. I, don't, I promise I don't mean to insult you, even though what I'm going to say is insulting. <laughs> but I, no, no, I, I know that sounds odd. No, I, I have I no intention you. of insulting anyone. And somebody may have an excuse. I don't believe there is one. I mean, maybe if you're very old and a bunch of comorbidities and you terribly fear anything you get but then you'll have to wear one the rest of your life
2: and also they're not effective
1: they're not effective that's why I said irrational right. exactly correct go on the internet and watch people puff smoke through any of these masks right anyway uh i just assume the, the person walks through life scared, which is very unimpressive and certainly unmasculine, mm-hmm. and, and has a herd-like response to yes. life.
2: Another turnoff for me is if a guy is goth, and I noticed in college a lot more guys were experimenting with gothness. Then so, how does it I,
1: manifest itself? With nose rings or, or what?
2: You know, I, did, I would see a lot of nose rings among women yeah. and among gay men. I did not, thankfully, see a lot of nose rings among straight men.
1: So, what it, would goth entail?
2: You're going to hate this one, but painting your nails black.
1: Hate? It's not strong <laughs> enough a word. <laughs>
2: Okay. In fairness, it wasn't a lot of men, but it, more men than I thought Ugh. would paint would paint their nails. And I actually knew one straight man who it's too
1: painful. It, I, it's, I it's it's, I, it's really it's painful. It's like listening to the proverbial nails on a chalkboard. It,
2: it is painful. Trust me. I, it, trust straight, me as a straight guys? Yes, I knew one straight guy who would wear a choker on his uh, on his neck.
1: I but. I, Okay.
2: Again, not many.
1: A choker like jewelry choker? Yes.
2: Like it looked like a fishnet, if you you know, those those um okay. fishnet stockings or just a regular fishnet. So, yeah, you that cut it that into a I choker. I
1: never recall seeing, but you you're with a younger crowd than I am. But the the, 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 the fingernails I, I, I can't get over. Oh, what is it? Me, different can... different colors?
2: Mostly black or grey. So and that's goth. Yes, and what people would do, including girls, is they would paint it such that they looked like they were chipped. Usually, when you paint your nails, you paint them fully, and then, as you go you know throughout your week, they naturally get chipped. but now, chipped nails just itself is a look, so people would intentionally so paint it My wrong.
1: theory on that is it's a, it's an example of boredom yes, you see when when disorder becomes the, the, the desideratum, the desired end, that to me is a function of boredom. So that your chipped nails are not as nice as smooth nails. I mean, it's just a fact.
2: Well, sorry, the nails wouldn't be chipped. The
1: nail polish would be. Right. Okay, fine. okay, yes. I'm glad you clarified. Okay. But but the point but remains still, the same. It looks dirty so to it, me. Okay. So it it is to a certain extent like torn jeans.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Which is another thing
1: that's in vogue. Oh, vogue. I mean that that that's ubiquitous. Right. I mean it's beyond vogue. What do you think of that? Uh, I I, I I'm still puzzled at its appeal. I
2: think it's boredom, but also, and I've said this repeatedly about other things, I think that it's that people are so desperately trying to figure out what their identity is, and they think that this is an appropriate expression of it. We don't have very good role models of people who have a really good, robust individual identity. So we look at... Singers or actors or actresses who wear you know wear clothes a certain way or paint their nails a certain way or even just people at our own school and that's what we think is expressing a proper identity.
1: You'll love it's sheep like. So I was just with Charlie Kirk. We were just at a public event together. We have the same birthday. You and Charlie. Yep. That's interesting. It is interesting. I get a kick out of that. And
2: guess who also is the birthday? George Floyd.
1: I would have guessed. You didn't. You didn't give me time.
2: Okay, then guess the other one. It's a U.S. president who shares our birthday.
1: James Knox Polk.
2: Oh, my gosh. Why am I forgetting his first name? The- Dwight Eisenhower. Oh, Eisenhower. For a minute I thought, what's Eisenhower's first name? Yeah, Eisenhower. Really? Anyway,
1: Charlie Kirk. So Charlie said to me at this at this public thing, we had over 1,000 people, this big thing in Orange County, mm-hmm. and he, he's wearing a tie and, and a shirt. Charlie hates wearing ties. (laughs) He likes truly comfortable garb. Right. I am honored to say that he has told me frequently that I have been a a very positive effect in his life, which means a lot to me because he's done a lot of good. And Charlie comes over to me and he goes, I want you to know you're the one who convinced me to wear this tie today. Of course, I never directly Of said. course. And he said, I just want you to know, I wish I remembered the exact words. It has an effect on the person when they dress up. And it has an effect on the way people treat you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. And
1: this is a guy who would be happy to wear a t-shirt.
2: It's so interesting that you say that because... Uh, you don't even know this about me. My my parents and my roommate in my apartment knows this about me and my college roommates know. I My state of na- nature is wearing pajamas. I love wearing PJs. I would stay in PJs all day. I just think they're comfortable and, you know, I just, and, and a big sweatshirt. So it takes a lot for me to get into normal clothes, even if those normal clothes are casual clothes because I just love PJs so much. But over the past few weeks I've been really trying to establish I moved out of my parents house as you know and into an apartment I've been really trying to use that as an opportunity to establish a good routine getting up earlier reading the paper every morning and one of the things that I've started doing as an experiment is immediately getting out of my PJs even if I'm not leaving the apartment and just putting on like even See, if I put on leggings or a t-shirt this
1: is so impressive that you are trying that.
2: Well, you're so right. It's, it's oh, exactly it, it's what you huge. just said. Clothing I feel huge. like a human. You know, I, yeah. I feel like I'm not, you know, I feel like so I'm more competent than organized. You know my
1: belief. We live in the age of stupidity because yes. it's the anti-wisdom age. No wisdom is taught. None. Wisdom, elementary wisdom, mm-hmm. tells you clothing is if surpassing importance. It affects you and the way others perceive you. Do you know when I walk onto a plane in my ubiquitous shirt and tie, uh, I know that I am treated more seriously and respectfully by flight attendants, mm-hmm. by others. It is Anyone listening to this right now, any man listening, try that experiment. I want you to go a week. You don't even have to wear a jacket. Just a shirt and tie as as bizarre as it will seem to you, and tell me how you feel and how others treat you.
2: So question for you. You're going to Denmark tonight. On how long is that, 12-, 13-hour flight? Yeah. Do you wear a, a shirt and tie?
1: So that's a, so since this is what will happen, since we're doing this, and since I always broadcast with a shirt and tie, and right. I, so I do any public thing, I don't know if, in other words, will I take my tie off?
2: Or will you just wear a more no, no, no. casual shirt? No,
1: no, the the shirt is a is a given. So part of my consideration is there is no day in my life if I step out of the house that I'm not asked to do some selfies with people. Right. And I prefer that I be in the selfie looking good <laughs> than looking less good. That's all that's the one picture this person will have of me. So I I think about that. If I were true if I were going to a desert island uh, i i would uh, you know'd wear I would wear shorts and a t-shirt
2: mm-hmm. well, another thing about clothing and, and you your point touched on this is that it not only transforms you but I view it as an act of respect to other people that's
0: correct. and that's
2: what I've come to see in the past year or two I mean I would go to class. I'm sure there are photos of me walking to class and I would wear Lululemon leggings and sneakers and a sweatshirt. So it's not like I got all dolled up. But I thought, you know, I should really work on this and try to dress more appropriately for the classroom. And even just in my daily life, I try to do that. When I see people who are wearing it, it happens so often in L.A. I think it I think it's more the L.A. culture than anywhere else. You see people wearing these flowy sweatpants or these crop tops or these ragged shoes, and they're trying to look cool. And I just think it's disrespectful. I'm sorry, I don't want to see your stomach. I, I, I don't want to see anybody's. St- like, just just be respectful. Just cover yourself appropriately. Right. Not well. A okay,
1: there are a, there are different issues that you've just raised, in my opinion. So, women and modesty is not the same as respect for the for the public although some may say that they are uh i don't want to get into the i i'm totally happy as you know to talk about sexual matters but it it is more complex in the case of the female if a guy's wearing something stomach bearing he looks like an idiot if a woman wears something something stomach bearing she doesn't look like an idiot I mean that's just that's just the way it works in the true. world. We're not the same sex. That's true. Men, men and women, but your bigger point is is so important. A- anyone listening to us right now should go on the internet and look up pictures of baseball baseball games in, in the 1950s. Everyone is dressed better than they now dress to church. They went to baseball games in the post World War II or certainly pre World War II generation more formally dressed than the vast majority of people who go to church now.
2: Well, it shows it was a more serious society.
1: Well, but... and it was part of t- you, the thought. I remember this from my parents. It's not respectful to others. My... You, that you came up with this on your own is why you're Julie. Thank you. Is why there was a denizen, Julie. That's right. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was 8 seconds. Digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and certainly hurts productivity. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created focus and recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, focus and recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack, tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Over 1,000 reviews with an average star rating of over 4.5 show that it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com. Use the limited time code Prager for 20% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code Prager. HealthyCell.com, code Prager
2: well I just i again I've been thinking about how much society is deteriorated, the media that we consume, the way that we speak to one another, and the way we dress is a huge part of that yeah. and i and I think that you know you know constantly every day, perhaps to a absurd extent I'm trying to improve myself, and one of the things is the way that I dress because i I want to even in a subtle way bring not that Perhaps wearing a suit and tie around every day is too much. I don't know. I'm not a man. I don't know how awful it is wearing a suit and tie. I can tell you as a woman, I am very grateful that I don't have to wear heels all day long because they hurt. So, of course, you know, I'm not advocating for black tie to go to the grocery store. But I'm trying to, in a subtle way, set an example of... You know, that I take myself seriously and I take the person who I'm encountering seriously. taking
1: the public seriously.
2: And, And on the point about modesty, again, I'm not a prude. I think that while you're young, you know, especially when you have good skin and a good body, take advantage of that. I tend to dress pretty conservatively and I've been thinking recently, too, that one day I'm going to wake up and realize that I had smooth skin and a young body and maybe I should, you know, wear things that are more my age. But... It has become so absurd now and so sexualized where women my age and even older wear really revealing things with, you know, showing their breasts or their stomach or really short skirts or shorts. And I just – the reason why I coupled it with the point about respect is I don't think it's really respecting yourself to do that.
1: Well, I can't speak uh, to that. It's one of the rare times where I would have to, I would have to – I know I would have to be in the other person's shoes. I'd have to be a female. Right. To to know that.
2: I'm not trying to to judge those people. I mean, I guess I'm No, the no, way no, we're I far, am, we're I, but,
1: we don't have a problem judging as we could be judged. I mean, right. it, it, it's, it's it's as long as you don't persecute. Of course, you judge I know all you like. But I it, just it, couldn't imagine doing so, that. Right, I would feel All so, well, right. All right. Since you ventured into this yes. uh, quicksand. oh I don't look, know. Yes. It, it's a very complex question to me. So let me, let me first say that the, the parallels in our lives and our inner lives are frightening. Oh, not frightening. They're startling. When I was your age, I was constantly working on myself, constantly, monitoring me, working on me. It's eerie. Anyway, so I when I was 20 years old, I studied in England for the year. And that's when I began my world travels, and I will boast. The only thing I boast about, I've been to 131 countries. So I started during the winter vacation. I went from Leeds, central England, to Morocco. The cheapest way possible, which means you cross the English Channel on a Mm -hmm. boat, take a train in France, go down through Spain to the bottom of Spain, then take another boat across the straits of Strait of Gibraltar and onto Morocco. And I remember the first time I looked, wow, the mountains of Africa. I, I just, it was such a high.
2: That is really cool. Yeah, uh,
1: totally. Now, why am I telling the story? So, in Morocco at that time, virtually every woman was completely covered. Not every single one wore a veil, but they were all, they were completely covered. Right. I didn't see any part of of a female for two weeks. I was there for two weeks, and I I monitored me. So, for example, was I less? Was there? L- were there fewer times of sexual adrenaline running in me because men are visually stimulated, which is impossible for a woman to fully relate to. It's, it's it's just the way it is. So I monitored the fact that I felt somewhat deadened compared to the way I was in Europe. I And I didn't know what to make of it. I still thought, part of me thought, well, maybe this is a healthier thing. Right. I'm less sexually... Uh, Excited a, a lot of the time, but I felt more deadened than relieved. And then when I got to Portugal, that's how I got back to Europe. I, I flew from—I don't remember which city in, in, in Morocco—it was the cheapest way to get back to Europe by an airplane. Go to Portugal, so I—I I, I got to Portugal, and of course, girls in mini skirts and, and you know, and everything else, tank tops, the whole thing. And I remember thinking, it, it may well be too too much skin. It, that may well be the case. Right. I'll take that extreme over the other any day. Of course. And I'll tell you why, though. This is what's interesting. I thought, this is life. Sex is life. I mean, that's what produces life. mm mm-hmm. So there's a very life-giving element to sexuality. Of course you can overdo it, I mean, obviously. I mean, if if women walked around in, in Lisbon in bikinis, which they weren't, but I'm just saying, it would be absurd, but it would certainly be sexual. I'm not talking about the beach. I'm talking about in the streets. So, So I came to see young women... Showing not too much, but showing their bodies as a life force. And I've never veered from that belief.
2: I agree with that point. And I think that, again, what did I just say? Especially while you're young and you have it, you know, use right. it or show right. it if you right. want to. I do think, and again, it's just from my experience with girls my age, it's gotten to the point where. Many don't know when it's appropriate and when it's not. If you're going out on the town with your friends to get drinks, totally get it. When you're going to class and you're wearing you know, a low-cut tank top that shows your breasts and really short uh, right. shorts, right. is that really appropriate? You no, know? no, no.
1: That's right. It's a very difficult but important question. It is. The, uh, the context, look, you don't, certainly don't wear that to church. Right. I mean, th- well, that would be obvious. They're not going to church. But, but, but people are almost going to church in PJs. Right. I mean, so, right. so that's, that's, that's truly wrong.
2: Well, what I, what I as a, again, when I say I'm not trying to judge those girls, there's a part of me that actually envies them. Because I would love to be as open and, ah, see, I just want to say, this is what happens when Dennis doesn't clear his desk, he knocks over stuff, and it interrupts the podcast. She is
1: practicing to be a wife. (laughs) Sanskrit. (laughs)
2: Wife is Sanskrit for flaw finder, everyone. Dennis told me that, just to remind the viewers. She who
1: finds flaws in her husband.
2: And I totally believed him, went home, said to my dad, I said, guess what I learned from Dennis Prager today? Wife is Sanskrit for flaw finder. Yep. And he burst out laughing, and I realized I had been played. Anyway. Yeah. What was I saying? Um, we were talking about girls dressing. Oh, yes. Again, I there's a part of me that actually envies those girls. Oh, yeah, the envy. Yes. I
1: was curious, yeah.
2: Because... And by the way, I'm making myself out to be like a a nun. I don't cover myself. No, you don't. No, no, no. no. That's absolutely correct. But I don't, you know, when I would go out to parties, a lot of my friends, and God bless them, they look great, would wear these cute little tank tops. And I would cover my whole, I mean, I would have like um, spaghetti straps, like it would show things up top, but my stomach would always be covered. In other words, I didn't really push it. Right. And there's a part of me, again, as I was just saying, you know, I'm young once, why don't I try to do that more? But the problem is maybe it's because I value my mind so much and who I am so much. I I, I want people to see me for that more than they see a sexualized version of me. And I also think that especially, I mean, I would never wear it to going to class. But when you're walking down the street, I don't know. There's a part of me that just feels like I would be exposing too much of myself if I were wearing this tiny little thing. Look, maybe it's empowering. We probably to an extent is. I, I don't know that answer. I can't relate I, I, to it.
1: It's a, Look, the the questions need to be asked. I don't know that there's one right answer, but there's the, the gap between all I am is a sex object and I don't want to be perceived in any way as a sexy woman is a very gigantic Grand Canyon. Right. Where the happy medium is... I can't. I can't give a perfect right. answer. I'm By a... the
2: way, I'm not totally the latter. It's no, not you're not
1: I... at all. No, no, no. That is, uh, 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 I, and I'm. I'm happy to say <laughs> that that is correct. But I'm just saying those are the extremes, and and there. There's got to be some happy medium.
2: Right. I think another thing, and this goes back to what, what I was just telling you about the the chipped n- nail polish and people who are dressing up as goth, and it also relates to people wearing political shirts or putting political computer stickers on their laptops. I think a lot of this is a attempt to get in your face, to create shock value. You t- you talked about how the goth, I guess, lifestyle is really stemming from boredom. I think it stems from a desperate need to get attention or to shock people. And I even find, and this this may be kind of a stretch to understand but it's it's very subtle and and it's something that I've just kind of culturally observed it's hard to put into words but I think a, a lot of people too everything nowadays is so political and I think they view the way that they dressed as an act of political defiance so for instance when a woman dresses very provocatively or sec, or you know in a sexual manner I think and again it's just a subtle cultural thing that I've observed I think that that in part is trying to get in your face and go and trying to denounce the patriarchy or combat the patriarchy like oh women for so long had to dress conservatively and now we're sexually liberated so I'm gonna show my breasts to show you how sexually liberated I am or or when people wear it, it,
1: it you can actually read it in the opposite way too really oh totally Why did they drop the swimsuit competition in the Miss America pageant? Uh, a, A news item that I'm the only one I know of who even bothered talking about. I had not watched Miss America since I was in my parents' house in high school. But I thought it was a very seminal moment in American history. The whole point was... Women in swimsuits affirms the patriarchy. Right.
2: So, are there other examples besides the swimsuit competition where there have been sexual things that? Oh yeah. Tra- oh,
1: look, look up. Just look up stewardesses nineteen sixties, hmm. and and see. First of all, there was an age limit. You you had to retire by a certain age. They wanted you to be cute. Whether that's right or wrong is not my issue. That that was a Part of the job description on a, on an airline you you never heard of uh, I'm not even, let's see it was uh, Pacific Southwest, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it was called Pacific Southwest PSA they the stewardesses at for, during a, in the 70s wore hot pants.
2: what hot pants what you, are hot pants? Oh
1: that's okay, look it up seriously <laughs> hot pants are extremely tight shorts. That just go to the bottom of the butt. Right.
2: Well, that stuff I do think is a bit absurd. I don't think that flight attendants should have to
1: right. leave uh, the
2: profession. I mean, and I know you probably agree with yeah, me no, on no,
1: that. No, that no, no. All I'm saying was... we've, we've There was more we, of that allowed. Yeah.
2: More sexualizing. A- and,
1: and the feminist response was, oh, this is to please men, so we don't want to do it.
2: Well, that's so interesting because I totally see your point in some ways. Those examples are good ones of how... The sexualizing has been seen as oppressive to women. But let me just tell you, people my women my age dress in a very sexual manner. That's the point of this whole conversation. They really overemphasize their sexuality. Again, my thesis statement of the past 20 minutes is that I think it, it's gone too far. So it's it, it just goes to show right. you. And
1: why are they doing it?
2: Again, I think it's an act of defiance. It's like we a defiance have defiance of what? The it doesn't make right, sense but to me that so, the patriarchy. So all
1: I'm say, and my reaction I is know. both either way it's called a, a defiance well, of the of patriarchy. Course, of
2: course. Well, that's so, I mean that's just classic left-wing stuff. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you yeah. don't. Silence is violence, but then speaking out, you could say the wrong thing and that's equal. You know, it's just it's they don't what it really reflects is they don't know what they really believe in. Right. They don't know if sexualizing is part of the patriarchy or not sexualizing is part of the patriarchy. But I'm just saying that the girls my age, they view it as I'm so claiming said, my sexuality. Right, so
1: since we're so open, which is part of the appeal of yes. Dennis and Julie, so you said you certainly get it if a, if a girl reveals more, more sexually attired if she's going a, a night on the town. Right. Is that, is that a term you would even use?
2: Not really. I but know.
1: So, what, what term would you use? Going out. Just going out. Going out. Like with a bunch of other girls. Yes. Usually, mm-hmm. right? Bar hopping, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, did you ever do that? Yes. Oh, how totally. Did you, how did you feel?
2: I felt like I was the prude in the whole bar.
1: Because you were, you were. Even though for you it was more revealing. It was more modest vis-a-vis your yes. friends.
2: And it, it, again, it's not like I was wearing a, you know... No,
1: you weren't. I a know. turban. Uh, 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 right. Like... Right, right. A I chador. Was, We're not wearing a chador.
2: Yes. I was... Okay. You know, I would have like a, a top that showed my arms and my chest and part of my breasts, but it wouldn't... It, I mean, compared to my peers, I mean, they would be wearing these tight, tight, tight tank tops that would just barely cover your nipple and then go just below the... It would essentially just cover... The smallest amount of breasts that they were obligated to cover. And I never did that. Right. So I did, I felt a little bit like, I don't know. So I, I felt are, kind what, of prudish.
1: What are they feeling, in your opinion?
2: I think they feel sexy.
1: So how does Good that... Good for
2: them. They, they totally are.
1: So is that going back to your point earlier, will I envy them?
2: Yes. I wish I could do that to the extent that they do that, but I just know that I would feel sheepish. I, I would just, I don't know why I, maybe I need to talk about this in therapy or better yet. I just need to re- send a recording of this conversation to my therapist and then she can give me notes. But I don't, I don't well, know. But I, that's just not what they need to do. Therapy implies
1: that there's something uh, unhealthy about your reaction. What, what this calls for is not therapy because there's nothing at all unhealthy about your reaction but it does call and I, I I'm not sure I'm equipped because I don't know what it's like to be a woman but it's fascinating because you're very very self-reflective
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's worth analyzing
2: well I'll tell you something that I just thought of my goal when I go out is to look pretty and elegant. And that's my goal for all of life, not just when I'm going out. But, you know, when I'm coming up with an outfit, my goal is not slutty. My goal is not, you know, sexualized, too sexualized. It's to look young and, you know, to have a, a nice ponytail or a nice hairdo and good makeup and, you know, wear something that does reveal some skin but nothing too yeah, kind it of – Yeah, sounds
1: good to me. And
2: hi- heels, you know, it's just I want to go for the classy look, not too prude, too conservative, but classy. A lot of my peers just straight go – I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on air, but you can bleak me – for the hoe look. That's what they're going for. I just – I don't I don't do that. And again, part so of me, wanna, there's a little part of me that envies that.
1: Yes, I get that. I do get that.
2: But I also respect, right. when I'm out there, when I'm out at the bar, I'm thinking, wow, I'm definitely the most conservatively dressed person in here, even though, again, it's absurd because I'm not even that much conservatively dressed. But I also, maybe that's the negative feeling, but it all, the, the positive feeling is I feel like, you know what, if a guy is in here and sees me. Like this that he will know that I respect myself and that I'm a classy and elegant person and that's what I want a guy to see and be attracted to
1: 100% respect that.
2: After two years, the Prager Cruise is coming together again, going to the gems of southeastern Europe from May 31st to June 13th. That's 13 days of a combined land and cruise on AMA waterways, privately chartered for Dennis and his listeners. This cruise was just announced, and it's almost already sold out. Book today by calling 1-800-345-2483 or click the banner on Dennis's website or go to coastlinetravel.com. The cruise takes you to Vienna and Budapest, Serbia and Bulgaria and Romania, and Bucharest. Included in your trip are four private lectures with Dennis and Alan Estrin, nightly cocktail receptions, spacious staterooms with over 80% of them having balconies, a chef's table experience, open seating dining options with champagne, wines, beers, and nightly specialty cocktails included, unique local entertainment, complimentary tours in each port, and unlimited free Wi-Fi on the ship. Book it today by calling 1-800-345-2483 or click on the banner on Dennis's website or go to coastlinetravel.com.
1: I'm I'm not envious because I'm a male and obviously it would be absurd, but I am curious what their feeling is. In other words, does that look make that – which makes them feel sexy presumably Mm – is that an adrenaline producer?
2: I think so. I think so. Yeah.
1: So I wish, because of, I'm an explorer of the human condition, that you once did that. I know. And then came and reported
2: oh my gosh. What, it, what it was like. My friends and I talk about that. They're like, one night we're going to put Julie in like a bikini. Right, And right. just send her out, <laughs> you know. Right. I mean, I don't... No, no, we we all
1: understand the point. You know what? Maybe I will. Maybe
2: I'll try. But again, I, I just think that I would be disrespecting myself.
1: Do you think they're disrespecting themselves? If
2: I'm being totally blunt, as I am on this podcast, a little bit, yes, because. As I've said ad nauseum, both on the radio and on this program, hookup culture in college is so, so, so common. And now that I'm out of college, the rare times that I go out with my roommate, I can see that it's just as common in the quote-unquote real world and as it is in college. And the
1: relationship between how they dress and hookup yes. culture is what?
2: It, well, it reveals when you're wearing you know, a skimpy little outfit, it reveals I'm down to be sexual with you.
1: That's right. Well, and I that, think that girls... is what men read in it. There's totally, no, there's and I think, no that, and I think
2: that's what girls are trying to convey. So, that's not my. I mean, I am uncomfortable with. I mean, so I've let pers- me
1: tell you, as a man, this is yes. an interesting. Obviously, interest is How could this not be interesting? So when I was your age, or, or a little older, when I in my twenties and I was single all of my twenties, I, I zeroed in, so to speak. If, in... in Not hook up, but pick Mm -hmm. up. Uh, I zeroed in on the the girl who was more uh, covered, like you. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. It wasn't that I thought that the other one... I'm not going to sound noble. It was actually selfish. The ones who showed the most were like the most standoffish.
2: Oh, interesting!
1: Yes, very interesting. There was much better chance of anything happening with a a a more modestly dressed girl. I'm again not a chador, not not oh, co- of course. Yeah, but what you're describing, right? Is that interesting? Yes,
2: it is. That that is interesting. Well, I, I think that the standoffishness is a part of the deal. They want to play hard to get. They want to look super sexy right, and desirable. But, and, and then and then, be,
1: yes, exactly. But, but
2: ultimately, I think they're doing that as a tactic because at the end of the day or they, the end of the uh, night, they uh-huh. want a certain thing. End I, of the night. That was good. <laughs> well, I – look, am I totally against hookup culture? No. Have I participated in in it somewhat on a small scale? Yes, that being said, I am not going out as some of my friends are, and God bless them if that's what they want to do. Seriously, no no judgment or shade, as I like to say, coming from my part. If they want to do that and they have fun, go for it. But I am not the type of person to want to go out and just try to project that I want a one-night stand or I want to right. be so, intimate uh, with someone for a one-time thing. The question
1: thing. is, I don't doubt that they have fun. The question is... How do they feel the next day? Well,
2: exactly. Well, actually, that really is the question. Well, well, that's really what it is because I've had friends that have fun, and then the next day when the guy and this happens, disappears, way, disappears, won't even text, right. won't even acknowledge your presence right. out on campus. It's yes. so vile, and they feel awful. So I just I don't want to put myself through that. And also, I mean, this is getting really personal, but. Welcome to our show. I am not someone that enjoys or is comfortable being intimate with someone unless I feel like I know them well, and respect so them intellectually.
1: I believe you reflect female nature. Right. But they have been taught there's no such thing as female nature. Well, exactly. And that that's the whole that's the genesis of the hookup culture. You're just like men, but you're not.
2: I know. So yeah.
1: So that was a, a. So, one final thing. We didn't get this all started. Let's just
2: get even more personal. No, which, no, no. I don't know how more yes, personal exactly. I could get. Exactly.
1: This is the beauty of it. So, back to the earlier part when I did my show on what is an instant turn off yes. for a woman mm-hmm. in, in seeing a man. Oh, yes. Tell people what you see on single sites.
2: Well, I talked about this on our last show for a little bit. And, Dennis, do you remember you asked me the question if I'm attracted to bald men? Yeah. I had so many people write into me (laughs) and say, because I said I would prefer someone who isn't bald, not because I dislike bald people or that I'm totally against it. But it's just I feel like if you're bald at my age, you're not looking as young as I may want you to look. A lot of people were not happy with that response. I mean, they respected it, but they wrote it and they were like, you say that you want masculine men, but then a bald guy is the epitome of masculinity. So my apologies to anyone that I... Well, no,
1: even forgetting apologies, what would you say to that argument?
2: I would say, look...
1: You don't have anything to apologize for. I know, I don't. You you, you didn't do anything with malice. No. You You were being honest.
2: Yes. When I say I'm apologizing, I sincerely don't mean to offend anyone, of but at the same time right. I'm not I don't regret saying it. Right. Because it's what it's But the truth. what do you
1: answer to my that? Answer, I mean there are a lot of great looking guys who are bold. Yes, There's my, no no way around it.
2: My answer is that look, I would not totally say I will never date a bald person, but a lot of sexuality and your sexual interests are things that can't be explained in that rational is, terms. Exactly. And correct. I just Right. Happen to not be as attractive to bald men as I am to full-haired men. Right. So there's that.
1: Hence the Dennis and Julie broadcast.
2: <laughs> Your hair is remarkable.
1: Uh, I, uh, it, it's when I go to get it cut. They they always comment on how rare it is. I I, I did nothing. I was mean, just pure genetic luck. But I mean, I'm I'm grateful for it. Yeah, it really is. So anyway, go on. So yeah,
2: so I I touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but it's worth saying again and, in fact, elaborating. These – when I go on the dating apps and there are guys that pop up, they are not – talking about clothing. The clothing is awful these days. Ripped jeans. On, On men. On men. Saggy pants. You know t-shirts that i'm sorry don't look masculine they either have flowers on them or they have some like name of a band or something again to indicate they're cool they often they have their hats on backwards which i don't mind necessarily like it's not a be-all, end-all kind of thing. But the hat backwards paired with the other clothing, I think just doesn't look I great.
1: actually used your hair, ha- hat backwards really? on my show.
2: Wow. And, and another thing I'll say, and then I'll be quiet, a lot have necklaces, multiple necklaces, in fact. And a lot more nowadays I see have bracelets and rings. And I'm sorry, if you are wearing any of the things that I just mentioned, it's an immediate no for me.
1: I i'm sure there are a lot of wonderful men but i totally and i mean that but i i i support you completely and what's even worse Why, why is why is that deemed masculine
2: well that's just the tip of the iceberg dennis the clothing is one thing then it's the way that they're posing so many guys they'll have their legs outstretched and it's just not an elegant again i'm not I'm not no, you don't have to
1: apologize. No, but it's, I don't just, it's not what an the elegant. Point is.
2: It's it's odd. It's, it's weird. So, it's
1: unsophisticated. Yes, it is,
2: and it's it's too casual. And it's tr- I don't know. If, again, Dennis and Julie were talking about everything. I don't know if they're trying to draw attention to their junk. I don't know what they're trying to do. I seriously can't figure it out. But there but are many. But even
1: drawing attention to your of course, junk is of course, not masculine. Of course, it's, that, it's disgusting. that's what men need to understand. They don't have models of masculinity. Did John Wayne draw attention to his junk? People don't know who John Wayne is, but... I do. You? Why do you, by the way? My dad. So I am curious. you Have you seen John Wayne movies? Yes. Do you understand why I would use him as an example of masculinity?
2: Yes, of course. Well, my I mean, my dad talks about him a lot. And I trust anyone who my dad says is a model of masculinity or good character right
1: i but aside from trusting your yes, dad or yes, me yes oh, for that matter he but...
2: always looked very dignified
1: well di- dignified helps but i am curious do you have a masculine actor in mind from any age
2: in, in a hollywood actor yeah. that i think yes. uh, I would say Harrison Ford, but with sad, this is very interesting. I know. He now is an earring. That's right. I used to view him as the epitome of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And now I don't. I'll try to think of another. Harrison Ford is the I my Char- favorite Charlton movie. Heston, Jackson, I don't know who that okay. is. I'm sorry. Well, my mom, I, I want to shout this show out, and I'm so interested to know if people are aware of it. And please write into to me if you are. My mom growing up would show me the big valley are you familiar with that show
1: yes it was uh who was the great actor in that i think if if it's if, if i'm right i
2: know all the character names. well there's barbara Stanwyck was was oh, then, um then victoria no, the no, mother Then
1: i don't think i no, and
2: there okay. was uh oh, i can't remember any of the names of the, the okay go ahead but anyway the men in that show i can remember their screen names jared heath and nick hmm. they are very masculine I don't know. Again, I don't know their real names, but they're masculine.
1: So you never heard of a, a, this was a – when I was a kid, this was the most – I think the most popular of, of this genre, Bonanza. Go on the internet and watch two episodes of Bonanza. It's a dad and – they're cowboys. Mm-hmm. Dad and his three sons. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious. How oh, I will. React. I'm very curious.
2: Well, I have another homework assignment to do, which is to watch Monty Python – Because when I was guest hosting for you a few weeks ago, I said that people – I was talking about the herd-like mentality you know, among – who knows what I was talking about? There's so much herd-like mentality nowadays. But I I cited the Norman Cousins quote, which you know I love, that he said that people were wearing the uniform of nonconformity, i.e. they all thought that they were so defiant and individualistic, but they all were acting the same way, and in, in the end they were conformist. Sean played this Monty Python clip mm-hmm. that said, like, we're all individuals. It was something...
1: Yes, wh- so it's, we're all it's individuals. the character playing Jesus. It's the life of Brian. The character playing Jesus. It's a very funny film. It's, it's, it's dark humor, but it's very funny. He's looking at this gigantic crowd of followers, mm-hmm. and he's not happy that they're sheep-like. Yes. And he yells at them, you are all individuals, oh and yes, five thousand people go. We are all individuals,
2: right, so he played that because you right. know he likes to insert, and I had no idea what first of oh. all, it was a little hard to hear, uh, uh-huh. and second of all, I had no idea what the reference was, so I click my fancy talk back button, so the radio listeners can't hear me, but Sean can hear me, and I go, "What the heck is this? like please explain this to me, and so then we created this whole thing that you know i i'm I'm Gen Z, I haven't watched Monty Python, so that I have to add to my list.
1: You do, actually. It, it, it'll, it, it should crack you but up. But there
2: was a point that made me bring up the Big Valley. I know that you asked about masculine, masculine characters, characters, yeah. characters, but there was something I was saying before that.
1: No, I... Well,
2: Perhaps not. The, I, I wonder if the viewers get annoyed when we forget. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my apologies.
1: How could they not get annoyed?
2: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they just love us so much they think it's endearing.
1: Excuse me. Oh, I see. Yes. Oh, no, no. That's an interesting argument. Mm -hmm. It's a big question, actually. You know what? I'll tell you why it is. When you love somebody, even some obnoxious trait, Mm -hmm. I don't mean awful or evil or immoral, but obnoxious trait can be endearing. Whereas if you don't like a person, the exact same oh, totally is a complete turnoff.
2: I don't know, though. I can think of some things, and <laughs> I'm sure my parents would say the same about me. I can think of some things that my parents do that, I, and I adore my parents. You know, I have an incredible relationship with them, but I get especially pissed off when they do certain things.
1: Well, since like they the way watch my dad every loads one of, the, of these, yeah, I'm go, give an example. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
2: I think – well, Dad, I'm sorry. He, his, his response to me would be, well, you need to load the dishwasher more. I think the way my dad loads the dishwasher is awful. Oh, my God. And it, it just – and also when he's cleaning out – why can't I think of the name of You it?
1: think the way your father loads them. Yes. So here so, – Glasses
2: could break. So Glasses could break. a serious thing. I want your father thing. to
1: hear this. My wife so doesn't like when I do the dishes – she doesn't want me to do any of the dishes, so I have sort of benefited from yeah, the fact that That's my dishwashing annoys her.
2: <laughs> well, my my do it. I would wash, but it.
1: in the very beginning, I would wash dishes and then she would redo them.
2: Oh yeah. Oh my mom does that all the time. My dad So does, why should
1: the guy bother?
2: Well, my what my mom does is she'll wash, she'll take Dawn, she'll wash the dishes, and then she'll put them in the dishwasher. And my dad's like, What what are you doing? So it it's substantiates your point. My mom loses everything. Every single day, can't find her keys, can't find her retainer, can't find her wallet, can't find her purse, can't find that sweater, can't find, not. I mean, so I adore them, but nevertheless, their habits annoy me.
1: Right, so how did we get on to this habits thing? I, uh, oh yeah,
2: you guys don't want to just hear about all my parents' oh, bad habits? Oh no, I know how. Yes.
1: Is the fact that on occasion we forget where we were. Is that endearing or annoying? And I voted for annoying.
2: <laughs> I vote for annoying too. I mean, I I revere Ben Shapiro. I think he is alongside you and just truly one of the most brilliant conservative commentators we have. But he annoys me sometimes. He speaks way too fast. I was listening to him in the card saying I'm like, can you just slow down a little?
1: Yeah, so. he, he does. He speaks too fast. But as you say, people he, are he's packages. Brilliant. Oh yeah. Pa- People are packages. If you, everything is a package.
2: So so this your
1: society is a package, your 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 candidate is a package, your friend is a package, and you are a package.
2: I was using this argument recently because I was debating with someone about the Electoral College and they were saying that, you know, there are all these problems with it because the smaller states get more or get gets are allocated a certain number of electoral votes, and even though bigger states have more electoral votes with, because they have higher populations, still the smaller states have more of a proportional weight than maybe they should. Have you heard this argument before? Yeah, of course. Right. So what I said to this person is, look, the electoral college isn't perfect but i actually think it was like james madison who said this in federalist 67 or 68 said if the electoral college is not perfect it's very good and i said this is the it, con- it
1: beats it beats the the majority right. tyranny this was a check on the majority's power.
2: Right. And by the way, I actually think it's a good thing that maybe proportionally the smaller states have a little bit teensy tiny bit more weight because already the big states are going to. In, that's where a lot of the money is. That's where obviously of most of the population the is, where the, comes the culture and yes. the media. Anyway, what I said to this person, and I, I think I'm going to use this line again. I said, look, the Constitution is the contract that we all designed or that, excuse me, that we all signed to become a union. There were all of these competing plans, the Virginia plan, the New Jersey plan. Remember those compromises that were made? This is the package that we got. It is not perfect, but it's what we all entered into in order to unify so many different people and states.
1: And if you want to make it perfect, remember the motto, the perfect is the enemy of the better.
2: Yes. Well, this segues nicely into something. I don't know if we have enough time, but it's worth quickly bringing up that we were discussing on the phone, and I want to share it with the listeners. Is we should do, we should actually do a whole episode on Trump derangement syndrome. It really fascinates me. I was having a conversation, it was actually with the same person about Trump, and he was saying that he voted for Joe Biden. And I said, Are you happy with your vote? Are you happy with President Biden? And he said, It's not about being happy with President Biden, it's about the alternative that we could have had. And then he starts giving me a sermon about how the first thing that he looks for in a president is personal personal integrity. And I say to him, well, okay, I understand that. But if we're going to look into personal integrity, do you think President Biden is a man of integrity? Someone who plagiarized and is in law school, who repeatedly lies about issues as big as inflation or gas prices or as small as growing up in the Puerto Rican community in Delaware or you know, a, a house fire that he had? And this person just could not recognize the good parts of Trump as a president. And it really – its so it was so interesting for me because he was using the package argument but in support of President Biden where I was using the package argument in support of President Trump. Anyway, I just – I don't – I really just don't understand people's lines of thinking when they somehow Uh, think think we "We got a better package. We really should. Why
1: don't you give – People, yes, awareness of the upcoming cruise.
2: The upcoming cruise? No, I'm going to give them awareness of Lear Capital.
1: Well, is... I certainly screwed that one up.
2: <laughs> you know, you screw up very few things, and when you Thank do, you. I'm not annoyed. I think it's endearing. That's- <laughs> Okay, I want to talk to you all about Lear Capital because one of the things that I've been doing is, and Dennis knows, I've been telling him on the phone, is I've been researching a lot more about issues pertaining to our economic volatility. And one of the things I read recently is that the U.S. dollar has lost 97% of its value since 1913, whereas gold has gained 8,000% in the same period. So that's why I'm encouraging you to invest in gold and consider Lear Capital to add to your retirement as all of us are looking for stable investments. Did you know that you can add physical gold and silver to your IRA or 401k? If you want to learn more, call Lear Capital today and ask about the Lear Advantage IRA. You can transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold tax-free and penalty-free account. And to sweeten the deal, Lear is offering free shipping on every purchase and up to $15,000 in bonus silver to every qualified client. Call for details at 1-800-260-5075 and you can get a free Precious Metals Investor's Guide and work with the top-rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near-perfect rating on Trustpilot. Lear Capital is the gold standard in precious metals investing and has over $3 billion in trusted transactions with over 650,000 happy customers in the 25 years they've been in business. So again, call 1-800-260-5075 to get your free kit. See how gold has performed during periods of inflation, government debt, interest rate hikes, economic crashes, and even wars, and you will see that gold has been that financial bedrock asset in portfolios. And what I love most about Lear is that they're an American-owned company, proud to do business with Americans that share our conservative values. So write this number down and give them a call today. 1-800-260-5075, one eight hundred two six zero fifty seventy five, 260 5075 and if you don't want to call, you can go to their website, learcapital.com. That's spelled L-E-A-R, learcapital.com. Gold is a really good move during this time because people are not trusting That's right. money or well, paper assets. So
1: let me tell you, you're now working on your knowledge of economics, yes. which means that within six months, you will be capable of doing a whole show on it. I mean, that... That's how fast you learn, and that's your mind. Here is one of the great. If I had five questions to ask God about economics, I have five <laughs> about every. All right. If I had two,
2: just about. I would ask about God economics. about other things. No, besides I agree. Economics. I
1: agree. I agree. Babylon B interviewed me uh, this week about my my new book on Deuteronomy, and they said to me, so. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? And, of course, I gave my standard answer. Why did you invent the mosquito? <laughs> that's my standard answer.
2: Is that really what you would ask him?
1: Uh, well, l- let's hit that in a moment. Okay. Because that's that's huge. But I, I did want to make another point. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't. Well, the sorry is only because it's it's uh, it's – what was I? What was I? This is a oh, genuine Oh no. Moment now let's here. see if I
2: was listening. You were, oh no. Oh God, this is really bad.
1: See, the problem now, is we get so taken over by, we the, do. by the topic because this is so real. And
2: by the curiosity. When you yes. said the Ask God thing, yes. my mind went, Oh, okay. so
1: economics. So here oh, it is. Yes. So the question is, sh- were we wrong in getting off the gold standard?
2: Oh my gosh. I was just about to bring this up. Go ahead. Just about to bring it up. I think yes. It happened in 1971 under Nixon. Again, it shows I've really been doing my research specifically about gold. And I think it was one of the worst moves because now the Fed can just – well, the Fed doesn't print money. But put money into the economy at will, and there's nothing that it's tied to anymore.
1: Uh, I can't imagine a good argument against being on a gold standard.
2: Why did Nixon do that?
1: because it, it it enabled him to print more money yeah Th- that's that's what governments want to do. They want to print money. you know I... and, and the people accept it, not, not knowing the the belief that you don't have to pay for bad uh, mistakes seems to have taken over much of humanity. The belief that you really can get things for free,
2: Yes. Super important point. I had Steve Forbes on your show when I guest hosted for you. I think it was this summer, and he did a PragerU video on inflation, which, by the way, I encourage all of you to watch. It really helped me understand inflation. And I asked Mr. Forbes about the gold standard, and he said that that was the worst, de- one of the worst decisions in his opinion oh, that know. we have yes. made in the, in the yes, past 100 I, years. Yes, I, I'd have to agree with him. The only other, de- I mean. In the last five years, there are so many bad decisions. I'm going to take the last five years out of this conversation. I think taking us off the gold standard in 1971 was a really bad move. I also think JFK's decision to allow po-
1: federal employees, federal employees to, to, unionize. to
2: unionize was equally as bad.
1: That's right. How many people your age even know this? It it, it was horrible. And it was, again, Pure political, because he wanted their vote, and and he got it.
2: Well, that's what we're seeing now. So, do you, do you, with so the do you know crisis. what Reagan
1: did with the uh, with the uh, what do they call them? The um, the guys at the the airports, the sc- not screeners. Are they called screeners?
2: Security screeners. No, 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 no.
1: The the guys who monitor the people who monitor the flights in the flight, flight controllers. Yeah, controllers. So do you know that story? No. They went on strike, and he fired them all. Oh, wow. All.
2: Wow. Well, what's interesting— And, and, and by
1: the way, that was risky, because fight controllers are very important.
2: Yes, they certainly are. But
1: you, you, you're not going to play around with the, with the American people.
2: What I find to be so fascinating is that in the summer of, of 2020, when there was this whole crusade against police, no one that I knew of on the left was talking about getting rid of police unions— which to me would seem like the most logical response to you know, charges of police brutality because if you're a part of a union, it's, it's way more difficult to fire someone than if you're, if you're not part of a union. But the reason why they didn't go after the police unions is because they knew if they would go after those, they'd have to go after the teachers unions as well. They couldn't selectively hate one union and then support another. That's, That's my theory.
1: Because uh, the it, teachers it, unions uh, it, are it, a
2: disaster. It, it, it,
1: Oh, they're malicious. They're they're worse than a disaster. Right. They're actively destructive of children.
2: And we see now President Biden is just totally By the way, did
1: you see this talking about actively destructive of children? An article in the Atlantic of uh that just came out. We have to bury the hatchet and no recriminations over mistakes made in the two years of COVID. In other words... What? Yes.
2: Mistakes? What mistakes?
1: Like locking kids down for two years. Oh, my Don't God. Don't start getting angry at teachers. Everybody makes well-intentioned mistakes.
2: This comes from the death God. It was evil
1: God. what they did. Evil. And, and it was done all over the world, not just in this country. Teachers hurt kids without giving a damn about them. They're hypochondriacs and, and, they're, and they're woke. I am so angry at what they did. I'm so angry about what medicine did, not allowing people to visit their dying relatives because uh, because of COVID. In the name of health, the amount of evil that is done. I think, the, in in the modern period, contemporary, not modern,
0: mm-hmm.
1: more vile things have been done in the name of health than in any other name in free societies. And by the way, I said this years ago, my motto, health uber alles. You know what that means? So in Germany, the the song in the Nazi era was Deutschland uber alles. Germany above all. So I've dropped Deutschland and just made health. Health uber alles. Health above all.
2: One of the most startling and disappointing things that I've seen in the past two years is the way that doctors who I growing up thought were the most morally upstanding people around us, alongside teachers too, but, but especially doctors because they, they, I always thought they have an especially high moral obligation to not cause harm. That has been so deeply upsetting. And I have to tell you, for a time I couldn't – I didn't really believe it. I didn't really believe that doctors were, were wreaking this much havoc. I thought, oh, maybe they just truly believe that the COVID vaccine is effective. Or maybe they truly believe that lockdowns are warranted. No. It's, it's been a real fall from grace for me. I have to tell you, I look around now in society and I'm, I'm just, I wonder, who, who can he- I trust?
1: My heart breaks for your generation.
2: We, I have to tell you, I, I don't I trust.ed
1: like, Every institution when I was your I don't age. trust anything. Well, and you're right. You're right not to. Well,
2: what scares me so much, and I talked to you about this on the phone the other day, is that people my age, like
1: remember remember what you were about to say? Okay. Let's declare a pandemic amnesty. Just uh, two days ago, atla- the Atlantic, we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. I wasn't in the dark about COVID. In April, 2020, I, I headlined, tweeted, and wrote a column and broadcast, it's the greatest international mistake in human history. Mm-hmm. I said that it was vile what was being done to children. It was cruelty, sadism, not allowing people to be with dying relatives. I wasn't in the dark and I'm not a doctor.
2: Well how about what came out a few days ago about the Department of Homeland Security working alongside Silicon Valley to shadow man and suppress quote unquote misinformation oh oh,
1: oh that's well that's, that's so so those people yeah.
2: shouldn't be held accountable. they should get right. amnesty uh,
1: exactly so, so yeah
2: so you were saying that you don't I feel you feel bad so for bad you, yes. yes because when you grew up you trusted every institution and I'm telling you that I don't trust any institution now, and it's been a real fall from grace, and it's been very sad for me. That being said, I am happy that I am at least aware of it, even – I shouldn't say happy. I am thankful that I am at least aware of it because what scares me even more is that so many people, including my own best friends, totally trust these institutions and don't know how thoroughly corrupt they are. And that's worse because at least, you know – I am very careful about who I choose as my doctor, for instance. Well,
1: it's, it's they not are worse for their, them psychologically. True.
2: But it's worse for them in the long term. I would rather know than not know. No,
1: no uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It, it, it's like the old question. If you could be uh, given an injection to be happy all the time and unaware of what is happening, would right. you take it? You wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it. I don't know if your friends would, but that's the world they live in.
2: Well, I would I mean, you're right, I wouldn't take it, but the problem is they may be happy in the short term, but then long term when they take uh, a, you know, right. many doses uh, of the COVID vaccine and God forbid something happens to their health, they're not going to be happy. So the thi- the thing that continues to just amaze me is how little people know about what's really going on in this country. For instance, I keep mentioning I was having a debate with this person about the Electoral College, same person I was having a debate with about Trump versus Biden. And I said to him, this is a 65-year-old corporate lawyer. He, I could tell that he was in some ways quite well-read, smart guy. And I said, because he was talking about uh, integrity, and I said, well, do you think what the Clintons did in 2016, with the whole RussiaGate scandal, is you know morally upstanding, and I said, "Are you aware of the Steele dossier?" No, he had no idea what the Steele dossier was. I said, "Are you aware of the Special Counsel John Durham investigation that has found that both uh, James Comey and Robert Mueller lied about certain very important things about their sources of the dossier?" And nope, had no idea i say do you know that mark zuckerberg gave 450 million dollars to privatize election procedures or that twitter actively suppressed the hunter biden story and in fact removed the new york post the new york post account because the new york post was the first one to bring it up no nope. no idea do you know that the department of homeland security was corrobor- or collaborating with silicon valley valley to shadow ban things no idea I can go on and on and on. It's one of
1: my models. And they
2: laugh at me.
1: We know what they don't know.
2: They laugh. They laugh at me like right. I was on QAnon, whatever the no, hell QAnon they, is. No, they laugh
1: at you like Bill Maher laughed at me <sighs> when I said the left says men menstruate. People can watch it on YouTube. It's gone viral. Millions of views. I was laughed at. Who says that, Dennis? You know what? It just happened. I had Juan Williams on, a major liberal commentator. He's on Fox and he writes for The Hill. To his great credit, he came on the show. And I said to him, well, I'm just curious, wh- what do you think about having six year olds in so many schools go to, um, what do you call it? The uh...
2: Drag Queen Story Hours? Yeah,
1: Drag Queen Story Hours. <laughs> How
2: hour. did I know exactly what you were talking yeah, about? Because like, of, I saw the look I, on your face. I have a
1: blank on that, that terminology drag queen story hour
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and sexualizing children at the age of five and six and telling them that they're not boys and girls because they don't even use boys and girls in most schools anymore. Right. And he, his answer was, I, I, I can't believe it's happening.
2: You know, you'll find this to be interesting. I have a suspicion that some, not not my close friends, but some of my more peripheral friends... Have this false notion that I've been radicalized because they truly believe that the things that I just mentioned to you, which are 100% true, and by the way, shouldn't even be called deemed right wing beliefs because they're just facts. They think that those things are conspiracy theories. They look at me, they think that I have gone on to QAnon. Again, whatever the hell QAnon is, I still don't know. And I do a lot of conservative research, never met anyone who's been on QAnon, never heard of it, when before the left made a huge deal of it. They think that I go on these, like, crazy, rabbit hole, radical right-wing sites and come up with these conspiracy theories that are totally fact and mainstream. I mean, do you – I know it seems obvious to say, but it, it just – I can't believe that this is our world. There are real, really bad things going on, and they think it's just made up.
1: That's why I told you these two stories. Oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah, so, I, I again, I, I get the sense that a lot of them so, want to distance themselves from me
1: because uh, they uh, think I'm nuts. I think we'll end with this. I got a question from a young person on my fireside chat. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, I do a fireside chat every week for PragerU. There are a lot of viewers around the world, mostly young people. And it's a half hour every week. We've done 262 of them. That's a lot. You can really binge. Anyway, I got a question from some young person somewhere. How do I know what to trust? How do I know what's true? It's a very, very real question. So I like being under pressure because I do my best under pressure. Others are different, but I do. I do too. I, really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Sw-
2: because of all my swimming.
1: Oh, well, that's right. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't swim. I mean I can swim, but I not competitively. Anyway, I came up with an interesting answer. I came up with a few answers. What do you think of this answer? I said those who wish to censor others are usually lying. And I've never come up I had never come up with that answer. Because it's a very good question. How do you know who's telling the truth? On on any given, is it the left or the right? Well, if you are telling the truth, you are okay with those who differ with you speaking their minds.
2: And in fact, you want them to. That's right. Because it, it exposes Let's, their lies. That, yes. If you, well, What you're saying is really true. So you this want should that. be
1: a giveaway to all young people. When they don't allow us on your campus, it's because they're lying to you. I love that. It's big.
2: I'm going to use that.
1: It's really big.
2: It, well, it, of course it's a good, because you have to. It begs the question: Why? Why are you censoring this person?
1: Because what, how do it, you
2: stand to benefit?
1: Right, exactly. And they're censoring, and a, right? Because they know we can expose what they say as as lies.
2: Yep. Great answer. A, You've got a lot of those. I've noticed that.
1: That's a good thing. Yeah, it's a blessing.
2: In the meantime, you can all email me at julie at julie-hartman.com and follow us on social media at DennisJuliePod. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And Ju- Dennis and Julie, I almost said Julie and Dennis podcast. Whoa. Oh, it's getting over oh, my skis there a little coo, bit. A cool. <laughs> Dennis and Julie podcast. Maybe we will change it to Julie and Dennis podcast on Facebook. And I'm so excited for next week. I love these.
1: I love them too. And in. Before then, I'll be in Denmark.
2: Yes, speaking at the parliament. See, you, you say you're in Denmark and you're modest. Say that you're speaking at the parliament. I'm alright today. Bye, everyone. You're gonna find a way to cross and you're gonna get there.
1: And I'm on Friday. Ain't no water in the car.